Hi, and welcome to episode 41 of Be The Drop, a weekly podcast that investigates the art of communication, specifically storytelling in today's digital world. I'm Amelia Ville, and I believe that stories can evoke powerful emotions, inspire change, and motivate action. So by interviewing a wide range of people who have built engaged communities, I investigate and share with you the secrets to great communication. Culture and change management is something I find really fascinating. At Narrative Marketing, we work with businesses developing their vision and purpose and see the difference it makes in their bottom line when staff understand how they fit into the bigger picture. Therefore, I was really excited to interview culture and leadership consultant, Michelle Holland. Adding to her long list of talents, Michelle has just written a book called Energy Vampires Suck which is a personal leadership journey written using the metaphor of vampires and slayers. In today's episode of Be The Drop, Michelle discusses facing your demons, LinkedIn networking, and reveals how to boost your team's productivity. This is Michelle's version of Be The Drop. Hi, Michelle, and thank you so much for joining me on our next episode of Be The Drop. Thank We're you. We're here in a creative space, brick and mortar, which I know has a, a background history with you with in a creative space for writing your book, but we can perhaps touch on that later. Yes, absolutely. To get started, though, I know you've got your item of significance. So if you could introduce him and let us know who he is and how it connects to your community. Great, I will. So this guy here, uh, the reason that I brought him in is because he's a little HBDI um, bear and what HBDI is is a profiling tool so it makes you you know uh, lets you understand where your thinking styles are etc and the little green bear represents the systematic process driven practical part of the brain you get issued with a bear when you're not very good at that stuff Right, so as you can see, that's my little bear. What he reminds me of and what um, he represents, I guess, for the community that I work with is I always call myself an idealist. You know, everything's going to be amazing. Everything's going to be fabulous. Everything's going to, you know, this is the way it should be. Wouldn't it be great if our leaders did this? Wouldn't it be fabulous if the, cust- if the customer, you know, loved us in this way, et cetera, et cetera. <laughs> it sounds very good. It sounds amazing. And when you go into this idealism, it's fabulous, right? It's fabulous and a lot of people get stuck in that space. So this little guy is just to remind me and to remind my community that we actually need to be really practical in this Mm. space because not everybody is idealistic. There's a lot of cynicism in this space as well. And to move from cynicism to that utopia, we need to take really practical steps. So that's what this guy is uh, representative of. Right. My little green bear. Well, hello, practical bear. Yes, (laughs) that's right. Okay, well, so you've certainly touched on a number of really interesting things there. The culture space is one that I really like. Um, perhaps maybe you could just, obviously, we can't be here all day. No. Um, but <laughs> maybe, the coffee's good. So yeah, you know. the coffee is sensational and they do have cakes there. So really perhaps we should be yeah. here all day. Um, but how about, like, if you could just give me a little bit of a quick summary of you know, what it is perhaps around that culture side that is so appealing Mm -hmm. and the benefit you see of it to business. Yeah, absolutely. Um, I guess for me, the reason I uh, focus my business in the culture and leadership space is because it essentially for business for me is the beginning, middle and end. 
It really is about everything that we do in the workplace, right? So culture, the simplest way of describing it is, it's how we work around here. So when I started going, hey, what can we do differently? It was really in that culture and leadership space. How can we interact in a different way? How can we be uh, more efficient and uh, effective with a way, the way in which we work, so our processes, our practices, etc. Um, so that space, when I started looking at that, I went, actually, if we get this stuff really right, mm. we don't need all the rest of it. We don't need the, the high-level industrial relations stuff. We don't need all this disciplinary action. We don't need all this, um, you know, very traditional HR work. If we get this upfront stuff right, if we get the purpose right, we get the vision right, we get the values right, we get the culture mm. right, we get the way in which we work together right, then we get the other stuff right anyway. Yeah. So, so it's a very proactive rather than reactive approach. Absolutely. Which is a challenge in itself. Yeah. What is it that motivates you about this, you know, this culture space that keeps you going within it? Um, it's the outcome. It's actually the results that can be um, obtained both personally as well as for a business. The statistics show, and this is like research that's been done across the planet, you know, for, for many, many years, are showing that between sort of a 30 to 35% increase on profit margins yeah. when you're getting the culture right. Mm. Now that's big outcomes, you know, that's not just, oh, you know, if you get culture right, you know, you probably get a few more sales. 30 to 35% more profit mm. out of this, That's you know? Big. It's huge, it's huge. They're saying on individual basis, when you get it right, get the behavior right, you, you, you're, you structure your world in the way that's actually effective, you become 75% more effective in your life and mm. your work. Mm. <laughs> no, it, and it's really interesting. What you're talking about is something that we have been reviewing in, in Be The Drop is that clarity, the yes. clarity around purpose and, and direction. You know, can you perhaps talk a little bit about the importance of that and where you see that fits? I know this personally. I did this in my, my, my own business for the first year. You know, I started the business and went, I've done HR for so long. I can do everything. I'm a, I'm a generalist. I'll go out there and I'll be a generalist. And I generally did my business, right? Mm. And there was no connection. I wasn't connected to it because it was just bits and pieces here and there. It was when I went, actually, what I'm really good at and what I'm really passionate about is helping businesses get better, is getting better results. Mm. That's actually what I want to be doing, helping individuals get better results. That's what I'm passionate about. Once I decided that, then everything came together. Yeah. You know, my messaging came together, my communications came together, my marketing, my imaging, everything just came together once I had that mm. moment of clarity. Um, but I think, I don't know, I think many people go into business going, oh, you know, it's going to be great, I'm going to do this and that and the yeah. next thing. Um, and then at some point realise that they need to connect really strongly with that purpose because if they don't, it's not going to happen. No. Let's chat a little bit about yeah. the book. So in this journey, somewhere along the line, you've, you've written, but you've actually written a couple of books, yes? Uh, yeah. So this one is the main one. I've got a companion one as well. That I'm just putting the final polish on at the moment, which is a bit more of a picture book yeah. that goes along with this one. This book really is about, it's a personal leadership journey. That's what it's about. It's a personal story, um, but it's written in a metaphor. So it's really about the, the toxic behavior, the toxic thoughts that you have, the toxic environment that you might be in, um, and that's represented by the vampire. The reason I wrote a leadership or personal leadership book in the story of a vampire slayer is because 
I decided that I wanted to do things my way yeah. rather than the traditional way. I wanted to combine my two passions, which was creative writing. So mm. I've written a lot of you know shorter stories and things for my, my kids and poems and all that sort of thing, which is more creative style mm. and my love for culture and leadership. Yeah. So I wanted to kind of blend the two. So I've written this book in a fable. So it's very much a creative story. So the protagonist in it is the vampire slayer mm. and it's talking about her, her journey and how she discovers her inner strength and how she tackles and defeats the, the vampires around her and within herself as well. And so then around both your business and your book and, and that, how have you built a community of which you're communicating these messages to? As far as my business is concerned, I've spent the last 20 years developing that mm. community um, mm. because I've always networked. I've always been out there having conversations with people. Um, I use LinkedIn quite a lot. Mm -hmm. So because I work in the corporate space, LinkedIn tends to be the one that's most um, essential for me to utilize. Yeah. And I use that one a lot and I interact a lot with people on LinkedIn. Whereas the other spaces are more a bit of fun and probably will be more important for the, the release of the book because it's much more on an individual basis. Mm. So do you find then that LinkedIn is really an extension of those interpersonal relationships? Is that how it's working? It, it, is, in, um, it, it is in many cases, absolutely. So it might be that I've met somebody through um, doing a speaking gig or you know over dinner, that sometimes happens too, you know, out in social events and, yeah. and I connect with them on LinkedIn. In. And uh, and they're generally the people that I tend to interact with the most mm. on LinkedIn. Not always. There's definitely people from you know interstate where I've connected um, just purely through LinkedIn that I interact with. Um, but most of the time, it is through that person-to-person -person connection, and then LinkedIn becomes the extension of the conversation. Mm. Um, and I get a lot of the material that I post on LinkedIn from the conversations that I have with my clients on yeah. an ongoing basis. So you're probably the same. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. But yeah, I try and get on there sort of once a day at least just to kind of start posting a few mm -hmm. things. Um, but no, it's usually through the messenger that I'm, I tend to talk with people. You know, somebody will contact me and say, oh, I saw that blog that you put up, you know, it was really mm -hmm. interesting or, um, oh, it sparked something in me or I was having this conversation with my leadership team the other day and I just wanted mm -hmm. to bounce an idea off of you. You know, that sort of stuff mm -hmm. um, is, is yeah, so even though it's, it is a business to business, I tend to have more individual uh, conversations on that platform than others. Because it still is a social It is, platform. absolutely. But you were saying it ha you have actually got business through it as I a have. platform. Yes, yes, absolutely. So because I've been active on there and just staying focused on, um, you know, essentially having my face and my name out there, mm. uh, people have contacted me through LinkedIn and said, oh, I see, I see you do a culture yeah. review or I see you do whatever it is. Um, and it might be that it's a person that I've, um, you know, I connected with years ago. Mm. Uh, but because I'm staying current, you know, and I'm staying online and they know mm. the kind of work that I do, then they'll go, oh, that's right, Michelle does that kind of work. I'll mm. go and speak to her, you know, and then they contact me through LinkedIn and that sort of thing. Yeah. So I think um, it's, to me, that's the power of the social media is really just staying 
visible, staying in the front of somebody's mind yeah. uh, because it's too easy to forget, you know, and, and there's so much noise, mm. um, both online and offline, there's so much noise. Um, and the space that I work in, in culture and leadership, there are so many people in this space, you know, mm. it's, it's really easy to get lost in the mix. Um, there's some really, really big players in this space as well. Yeah. So it's really, um, and I've got no intention of competing with them, like they work in a whole different space and that's not the space that I like to work in. Mm. Um, but there is a massive amount of opportunity to select whoever you yeah. know, the business wants to come in and help them with this stuff. So mm -hmm. you really, you have to stay front of mind. Yeah. Absolutely. And that, you know, exactly what you're saying there, you know, this contact might be someone that you've made years before, mm. but just by maintaining currency, releasing that content, being in the conversations, Absolutely. then when it comes time that they're ready, yeah. that relationship foundation is there yeah. for you to be able to build on. Absolutely. I once read something, I'm not sure how true it is, but it takes nine times for somebody to see you or see something about you before they actually engage with yeah. you. But what I actually found after doing it for a couple of years is I would go to networking events and they'd go, somebody would come up to me and they'd go, your face is really familiar. I'm like, <laughs> oh, maybe we've met at a networking event. And they're like, no, you're on LinkedIn. I see your stuff on LinkedIn all the time. And then we'd connect. <laughs> and you go, gee, you could have liked it. Yeah, that's exactly right. <laughs> that's exactly what I was thinking. I'm like, oh. And then I'd have other colleagues say to me, oh, I read your stuff all the time. I'm like, but you don't comment or, or like it. They're like, oh, no, but I read it. No. But so, I mean, so I interesting. completely understand because mm. I'm quite voyeuristic myself at yes. times on on social platforms, yeah. and I'll read stuff and in, enjoy it and engage it, but not we're well, not necessarily engaged with it in that full yes. way until you're ready. And that's Absolutely. what it comes back to that the nine times. I'm sure it's at least that. Yeah. And I think on many occasions for me it might be more mm. um, before I'll actually engage because there's so many timing things that have to come into play. Yeah. You know, that might be part of my long-term plan, but I'm yeah. not there yet. So Absolutely. I'll wait until I'm ready. Mm. But I like to see the information as yeah. I go. Yeah. Which, you know, in business is challenging it and is. can sometimes be really hard. Yeah. Absolutely. So talking about challenges, what would you say have been your biggest challenges? challenge throughout this time? I think the biggest challenging aspects of all of this business stuff is um, believing that people actually will get something from my services. Mm. Um, it's the that comparison thing that you do. Why would they come to me instead of going to KPMG, mm. you know? It really is that kind of per, uh, persistence and hard work and, and believing that you can mm. do it. Um, and when you're having those self-doubt moments, um, is pulling your, just pulling yourself out of it mm. by going, you know what, what's the worst that can happen? Like really, if I do this and it bombs, then it bombs, you know? It's not, I'm not killing people here. No. You know, it's not like I'm going into to brain surgery. I'm helping people change their culture. Mm. <laughs> I think that's for me, this, this little guy as well, is something that he reminds me of and all the little toys that I play with, you know, mm. have around the place is don't take yourself too seriously. Yeah. Um, and that is such an important thing for me, working with a lot of corporate um, uh, customers and corporate clients because uh, being in that corporate space, there's so much um, opportunity for drama mm. and there's so much opportunity to just get lost in the, this is so important and I've got this deadline and oh my God, I'm so stressed out about it. Um, and those things are important, 
But again, we're not killing people here. Mm. You know, it's not like the world is going to end mm. if you miss that deadline. Mm. It really won't. You might feel like it is, but it's not going to, no. you know, and if you're putting yourself at risk or people around you at risk mm. to try and meet that deadline, then we've got this wrong. You know, we've all grown up, I suspect, with mum and dad saying to us, you got to work really hard to mm. be successful, you know, work hard. So as soon as you say to somebody, you need to work hard, they go, okay, if I work hard, I can't then play as well. I can't then have fun because I have to work hard because mm. that's a very serious thing to do. Mm. So we're built that way. You know, our whole education system is built to not have fun. It's mm. built to follow the rules. It's built to follow this pathway directly to the assessment. And once the assessment is done, then you can relax, right? So we are built that way. Mm. So when you go into the workplace, it's no no surprise at all that leaders go into a leadership role, a management role and go, okay, I have to work hard at this and I have to make sure everybody around mm. me is working hard at this mm. because if they're not, then we're not going to get stuff done. It's, it is time for a revolution in that space because I'm the same. The teams that I've been most productive and got the most done with are the ones that have the most fun. Mm. But they again, take their work really seriously, yeah. but they don't take themselves really seriously. Mm. So they do meet the, the deadlines. If they blow it out by a day or a couple of days, there are reasons for that and they live with it. They don't beat themselves up about it, mm. right? They have fun with it. There's heaps of research that's now showing um, the, uh, the outcomes and the results of having mm. a happy, satisfied workplace. Um, so happiness is not the only element to it, but that's a nice outcome of culture. So it sort of means you, you've set things up right so people mm. can enjoy their workplace. But if you're doing something that you enjoy, then of course you're going to do more. Yeah. You get so much more discretionary effort from people who actually really love what they're doing mm. than people that turn up and hate it. Yeah. So if they turn up on Monday morning and they hate their job, mm. they are only going to do exactly what you tell them to do mm. and nothing more. Yeah. Whereas if they love their job, they turn up on that Monday morning going, I'm here, my contribution is valued, I love what I do, I'm going to work really hard all week long because I love it, mm. not because someone's told me to, but yeah. because I love it. Mm. You get so much more out of that person. Their productivity is, you know, probably 50% more, I would say. Mm. Um, the research is showing about 30%. Yeah. So another you know, aspect that I'm really interested in is storytelling and the space for storytelling in business and communication. Now, obviously, you've got a creative writing bent, so I feel yes. this question is right up your alley. <laughs> but <laughs> perhaps if you can let me know your thoughts on yeah. storytelling and where it fits within your space. Yeah, yeah. Uh, look, as far as um, culture change is concerned, transformation, whatever you want to call it, it is about the conversation. It is about the story. And I think for me, with storytelling if you can find something that connects you broadly with others if you're a leader let's say you can connect to where your people are at right now and take them on a journey then they're going to connect with you a lot quicker you know mm. it's that vulnerability stuff it's a really special skill I think for leaders to be able to be really relatable tell a story that helps people understand where they're at and where they're going without making it a me, 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 mm. and I know everything kind of story because that is so easy to do, yeah. you know, and the motivation is generally absolutely pure, but the delivery is generally 
Yeah. It really is about that, um, you know, culture, culture and communication. Honestly, when I think about the people that I connect with the most as far as um, what I would call the culture warriors out there, um, a lot of them are in communication marketing fields. Mm. They really are because they get it. They get that it's about communication. They get that it's about connection with people. They get that it's about you have to somehow get that spark of recognition of in people that makes it about them mm. and they understand it and they want it. So, And unfortunately, businesses have placed culture and leadership in the realm of HR and it doesn't necessarily sit there. Mm. Culture and leadership sits with strategy, it sits with vision, it sits with values, it sits with the CEO, it sits with the senior leadership team. Mm. And if they're not taking control of it, then it's gonna take control of them. Yeah. But the sad thing is, is they go, oh, culture, leadership, it's got to do with people. Let's pop that over with HR. Mm. Um, and many HR people don't have that strategic ability to link the business um, and look at it broadly. So mm. they'll look at it from a, a very systematic point of view. Oh, sensational. All right. Well, I think, I, as I said, we won't stay here all day. <laughs> Just almost all day. <laughs> I know. But in conclusion, though, I'd love for you to share with me Michelle's Be The Drop tip. So that is your top communication connection tip. You know, I think the, the main thing, or I guess the main simple, easy piece of advice that I could give is actually just have the conversation. Like just talk to people. I don't know how many times I've had um, leaders come to me, particularly when I was in the HR role, saying this has happened, this problem's happened, etc. And I've said to them, have you spoken to that person? And they've said no. I even had a manager say to me one time, am I allowed to do that? <laughs> so the Best piece of advice I can give is change happens through conversation. Have the conversation. Oh, I love that. Change happens through conversation. Oh, you're talking to the conversion. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> All right. Well, thank you so much for joining me, Michelle. No worries. And thank, thank you, you for, for my copy of the book. I look yes, forward to reading it. Absolutely. No worries. Thank you for having me. Thanks for joining me for another episode of Be The Drop. Don't forget to subscribe in order to ensure you never miss one of our weekly episodes. Be The Drop is produced by Narrative Marketing, where we believe that stories connect individuals and that powerful storytelling can positively impact the world. It is our mission to help unlock the power of story through this podcast and the range of products and services that we offer. To unleash your storytelling superpower, visit narrativemarketing.com.au or check out our social links in the show notes. To get in touch with any specific comments, you can email me via amelia at narrativemarketing.com.au. And don't forget that whilst a task or challenge may seem overwhelming, a waterfall begins with one drop and look what comes from that. Until next time.